We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report. With Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in Max's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Everybody, to another edition of the Rockpile Report podcast. I'm your host, Bill season ticket holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And we are here kicking off the 2023 Bill's Camp Basics. Are just kind of Chris, we're, we're like an old man getting into the bath with this stuff. Yeah, there's, takes I, a month. I feel like there's been content creators talking about this stuff for a, for a while, right? Yeah. I think we have somewhat of a unique approach to it in the sense that, Chris, we, we, we do love all things Buffalo Bills, right? We do. At the same time, we've made no, we've made no bones about the fact that I believe a lot of this, like this time of year, it's, it's hard to even postulate and talk about this stuff. Roster construction ahead of camp is actually one of the more entertaining topics to discuss. And I feel like, like, like you have no idea when I looked at the calendar and said, Wait, you mean we're only five weeks out? Thank God. It means we can finally, in my mind, it's finally time. Like, there's been guys talking about the, the makeup of our running back room since March. Can't do it. I just can't get myself there to talk about it. Like, it has to be organic. It has to come to me, and I have to be able to get excited about it. And so that's where we are, guys. Every week, we're going to be bringing you another installment of our breakdown of the roster, our own kind of unique look at the way things are constructed, our thoughts on it, some of the things we're going to be looking for. I, Chris, we've been doing this how long? Eight years. Our birthday was Tuesday. Our birthday was Tuesday. We've been doing this podcast for eight fucking years. It's crazy. Like, just seeing the photos, Chris, first of all, do you know how young you look in that photo you tweeted out? You had a you had a fucking baby face and terrible hair. I mean, oh, you still have terrible. A lot hair. shorter. You you used to be like like what what was your haircut when you went to your barber way back way back yonder? 
What would you tell your barber? Your barber? Two on the side, and it wasn't a barber. It was a you go to a woman's salon. Two on the side, finger length up top. You and wait, 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 wait. So you had, you you got that plain Jane haircut, and you still paid salon prices? Yeah, you're an idiot. You could have you could have gotten that you could have gotten that at Supercuts. No, That's, no, Chris, quality. Guys, at Rock Pile Report, go check out the tweet that Chris put out about our eight-year anniversary. In fact, I'll make it our pinned tweet as soon as we're done recording this podcast. You can see the man should not have been paying $40 for the haircut, right? Right? No. Like, that's like that's like going to get a... That's like going with... Uh, what's his face there? Uh, the owner of the Patriots. Owner of the Patriots. What do we got? Bob Kraft. It's like going with him to get a massage... And you still you pay two hundred dollars, but you don't get the happy ending. That's what you did with your haircut, there, sir. The most I've ever paid for a haircut is fifty bucks a pop. <laughs> Damn, fifty bucks? Yeah. The hell are you doing? Quality, dude. Quality. Yeah, it's working for you. Yeah, it is. So, with that in mind. We've been doing this for eight years, and we think about how much the team has changed since then. Like, Rex Ryan's introductory presser was one of the first topics we talked about in the show. One of our first aired podcasts. Like, I remember t- I remember uh, getting excited and talking about but because I was so monotonic, you, you probably didn't know I was excited. But I remember getting pumped up about the fact that the Bills beat the Colts, and that when the Colts went for it on fourth and two because we were just stomping them so badly, the cr- that was the loudest I've heard the stadium in my entire life. Like, that's a thing. I uh, So, you think back about how long we've been doing this. Chris, have you learned anything? Like, about being a podcaster, being a professional? No. <laughs> do, do you think I've learned anything? Definitely no. <laughs> I like the fact that we've been doing this for this long, and while we kind of reinvent some things, we also kind of borrow from what's gotten us here, what's kept us in business for eight years. It's kind of what I did with this year's thing. I looked back and I said, all the ways we've done this kind of preview process, I want to take some of the best of each one of these and blend them together. So this week we're talking about offensive line in the quarterback room. I want to start with quarterbacks because this is probably the easiest, right? If you look at if you if you look at it under a magnifying glass, the cap allocation for the quarterback room is twenty point seven million dollars. That's nine percent of our cap space. Now, if you want to take a look around the NFL and compare that, it's the thirteenth highest quarterback expense in the NFL, which seems like a deal when you think about the fact that Josh Allen is inarguably a top three quarterback in football, right? Yes. Okay. So we're paying the thirteenth most money for our whole quarterback room. To have a top three talent. On its face, that seems like a really good thing, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. We have the number one quarterback expense in the AFC East. Although, I, when I was looking at those numbers, Chris, you want to hear something crazy? The New York Jets have Aaron Rodgers, and yet Miami is paying its quarterback room more money. Oh, what? Who's their backup? Mike White. <laughs> From the Jets. From the Jets! <laughs> what a weird place to be. And then when you look at the number of starters out of that group, bona fide, as uh, Doug Whaley would tell us, off-the-bus starters, we have one guy. So here's some stats and just some statements of fact about the 2022 Buffalo Bills quarterback group. Josh Allen, number one in PFF's approximate value rankings. 
just kind of a measure of how important they, just based on statistics and the rest of the team's performance, that player is to your team's overall success. Without Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills probably don't make the playoffs, correct? Yeah. Okay. Number one in both intended and completed air yards, which makes sense considering we have a vertical attack and Josh Allen has a really potent arm. 12th in the NFL for sacks taken. 24th in the NFL in sack percentage. Like, we we don't eat a lot of sacks, even though our offensive line is statistically one of the worst in terms of pass protection. Sixth in yards per attempt. Second highest intermediate passing grade of any qualifying quarterback for Josh Allen. So between 10 and 19 yards, second highest passer rating out of any quarterback in football. But he was only seventh in the NFL for passing yards off play action, which is something that was a staple of the Bills' offense under Brian Dable. And those are all interesting factoids, but then there's this one. Buffalo is the only team in the AFC East to start the same quarterback for every single game last season. All three of the teams behind us have had some sort of quarterback controversy at some point. Or in what uh, injuries? Injuries for Miami, and then it was uh, slightly injury with the Jets, mm-hmm. and then uh, you, was it Mac Jones? And I'm or I can't think of the guy that threw the interception against the Raiders. Mac Jones? No, Bailey Zappi. No, remember the play. Oh, where they Jesus. tried the lateral. Oh, I'm my talking God. about him as a quarterback. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fucking who Where Mac it? Jones got trucked. Christian Simonelli, I know you're listening. Why don't you call in? <laughs> Why don't you call in and tell us which one of those? Was it Jacoby Myers? It might have been. Who now plays for the Raiders. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny if it's true. So here, here's what I know, though. I like to. I, I realized I really had a lot of fun in the past breaking this down as far as what went right what went wrong, and then that allows us to set the table for what's coming. For the quarterbacks in 2022, it's a funny thing to sit here and talk about things that went wrong, right? Like anything quarterback-related to throw shade at our quarterback room. When just last week on the pod, I conjured up images of the time Matt Castle, EJ Manuel, and Tyrod Taylor had a three-way competition for our starting quarterback job. Like considering we don't live in that universe anymore, it seems... It almost makes me seem ungrateful, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like to complain about anything that goes on. I feel like an ass to a certain degree. At the same time, we watched what had been a really dynamic offense under Brian Dable regress in some really key categories. Like 2021, the Bills were the number one red zone offense in terms of just touchdown scoring when you got in the red zone in the NFL. 66%. 2022, one year removed, without any major personnel changes. Like what? We lost, uh, we swapped out James Cook for what's-his-face, Zach Moss. Yeah. It's probably the only major personnel change to the roster. And you'd you'd assume with a pass-catching running back like that that your numbers in the red zone should improve, right? They should. Trading for a pass-catching running back like Naheem Hines should improve your red zone efficiency. If you use him. It's it's <laughs> criminal. And because of the inefficiencies in those areas, the Bills were number nine in red zone scoring touchdown percentage at just 60. 
Now, maybe that sounds like I'm splitting hairs, 6%, right? But it's noteworthy because when you look at that chart from the top down and you go, okay, we were number one. Who's number one through number eight? Uh, the Super Bowl Chiefs and Eagles, uh, the Bengals, and we were just 0.8% better than the Miami Dolphins, who the Bills really had to knuckle down there in the fourth quarter of that wild card game. Or else we were going to get sent packing. Yeah. There's a million things that you can complain about about the offense in 2022. I mean, there's a reason that no one's really impressed with Ken Dorsey. There's a reason Ken Dorsey's kind of on something of a hot seat as we go into this year. Uh, There's a reason that our wide receiver one is pissed about the direction of things and where things were at and all of the... We already talked about all that, but... I think that right there underscores just how much the playbook, the knack for timely play calling, and then the quarterback's ability to transition to these new philosophies and games. Like one of the game's most important areas. <laughs> it was a struggle, at least more so than we've seen in the last two seasons. So that's not great. And then also Allen got hurt again. Like foot injuries, elbow injuries. He just keeps playing through these things. But Chris, at a certain point, you got to do better. In that regard. Yeah. In fact, it's kind of why I like pairing these two position groups up to talk about ahead of training camp. But obviously, there, there were things that went right, right? Like Josh Allen just continued to prove that he is an Iron Man. Yeah. That, that even when he's not 100%, with the cast of talent he has around him, he's still better than at least 10 other quarterbacks in football. Even oh, yeah. hurt. Not at 100%, he's better than 10. Because it. Like you look at the way those games went. If I pull this up, if I go to profootballreference.com and I pull up the 2022 Buffalo Bills and we say he got hurt during the Jets game, right? So that's week 14. And you go, oh man, you saw what happened to, I mean, Brock Purdy's UCL injury was much more severe. Yes. But you saw like they're off, their team was rudderless at that point. They had no passing game to speak of. Their backup's backup couldn't orchestrate the offense, and everything fell off the rails. That playoff game was a laugher. They come out of that Jets game. They play the Vikings, they play the Browns, and they play Detroit. You go, oh man, our guy's hurt. It's going to be a real struggle. 311 yards that week he throws. Then he goes 186 and 237, but that's because our rushing yards... Chris, 175 and 171. Our running backs really knuckled down and did a lot of the dirty work. And it, again, you didn't see Allen putting up the 400-yard games or the 300-yard games anymore. The rest of the season, he would, well, at least until he got really down there in you know, the Dolphins game, he was back on his game. The Bears game, he stepped it up, you know, he stepped it up with timely plays. But his passing yardage was clearly down. And it was a trend that just led us right into the playoffs. And that seemed to be where things fell apart for us. But realistically, you look at that, and there's quarterbacks during that stretch who had far less success. (laughs) Far less success than the Buffalo Bills. So what we learned is that even injured Josh Allen is still better than most other teams' quarterbacks. So then you look at the makeup of this position group heading into 2023. Really, really happy he's been healthy because we're going to need it. Our room is Josh Allen, Kyle Allen, and Matt Barkley. Now, 
We've talked about this, Chris. Matt Barkley was our backup quarterback for years. In 2019, I believe it was 2019, he gets knocked out of the Patriots game, right? Yeah. He knocked out of the Patriots game with a concussion. They bring in... uh, uh, They bring in what's-his-face? Barkley. And they try to orchestrate the offense. It doesn't go well, we lose the game. He gets hurt again later in the season. He came back in after halftime, but it was the Chargers game, which early on was a very close game. I think it was 2020, the COVID season. Yeah. Matt Barkley takes the field, and they don't allow him to throw a single pass. He's just handing the ball off. Even in obvious passing situations, they're just like, nope, we do not want, in a tight game, we do not want Matt Barkley throwing the football unless we absolutely have to ask for that. That doesn't exactly sound like a like a ringing vote of confidence, does it? No, it doesn't. Then you've got Kyle Allen. Where the hell did, like, other than being friends with Josh Allen, what qualifies Kyle Allen to be our backup quarterback? I'm He's look- friends with <laughs> Josh Allen? Do you think Josh Allen reached out to him and was just like, look, man, we need Hey, you want a who- job? Yeah, do you want a job? We need somebody who can come in here and take league minimum. No, you're not going to play. I'm playing every game, so don't even think about it. You can hold a clipboard for six figures. Who do you think they would make the backup on game day if there was a game where Josh couldn't go? Um, Someone else? <laughs> Kyle Allen or Matt Barkley? If you were to pick your poison, who would you take? The guy, they don't, the guy they don't trust to throw or a guy who threw, like last year, well, what is this? He started two games for the Texans. But lost both of them. 59% completion percentage, two touchdowns to four picks. <laughs> Kyle Allen. 19 passing first downs in games. Like, I, now I got to look at this, Chris. I got to look at this. So, his two games. I want to figure out what games his 2022, let's see. His 2022 game logs. 2022. Oh, I like that Mark made fun of me for humming. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, he's going to drop a banger called Total Offense. Then I started humming like that, which I do involuntarily. He goes, oh, Drew's prepping for his next album. I like Mark. He's witty, but he's also a dick. Kyle Allen played in a loss to Miami where they lost 30 to 50, They lost 15 to 30. Like That's how it's laid out here. And then they lost to Cleveland 27 to 14. So in games where you were trailing by multiple scores... You only managed to throw 19 first downs. Allen's done that in individual games before. <laughs> it's, it's bad, Chris. Like, you want that guy to take the field for you? Yeah. You think we could have upgraded the backup room? Well, last year they did. They traded away a seventh-round pick to get Case Keenum from the Cleveland Browns. And then even when Allen was missing his fastball, they still opted to roll with him for the rest of the season. Keenum never saw the field. Do you think it's a mistake for Buffalo not to pay a little bit more and bring a more experienced backup to a roster that you're hoping can win you a Super Bowl? Yes, because our division is a little tougher. I mean, when you look at... the Here's the reason I asked that question. Look at what happened to the Miami Dolphins last year. We played them in the wild card round. They still made the playoffs, and they were dangerous. That team almost beat us. You you look at how many games Tua missed, 
And you can make all the jokes you want in the world. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater was bad, correct? Yes. But ultimately, like, they... And I think they lost a lot of the games that Tua didn't play, but it was... I, I don't know. I just... I feel like they at least tried. They said, okay, Tua has an injury history. Let's go get a Teddy Bridgewater. So they paid a guy. They paid him $8 million for a single season. It just didn't work, right? Yeah. The idea was at least there. They tried. They should get credit for that. And then Skylar Thompson was what he was. He had a really good game against Buffalo in the playoffs. It, and then he had some really, he had some real moments he'd wish he'd had back. I guess my point is, like, are you comfortable going into the season like this, knowing that you're leaving the, the quarterback mantle if something happens to Josh Allen to those guys? Even if it's only a short-term injury, kind of like the Tua thing. If you were to say, this is who you have, you're going into the season, he's going to miss five games. I think you would have to games. drastically change what you do offensively with those because none of those guys have the cannon that Josh has. You'd have to like almost exclusively switch over to a run-heavy offense if Josh is out a couple of games. I mean, probably. That I mean, that feels right. So if I look at everybody who's available on the free agent market right now, I guess that's the next question is, what would have represented an upgrade? Because I know there's people who will feel the way I feel, that they look at that roster and go, it's a little lean. If 17, something, even if he misses a game or two, those those couple games may matter in what is a very tight AFC East, I think, this year. But you look at the market and you got what? Uh, Teddy Bridgewater's out there. The, for some reason, Joe Flacco hasn't retired yet. Who's he with? No one. Oh, well, why isn't he retired? I have no idea. Do you think he's holding out in in like in case someone needs someone to come in? Like, Joe Flacco has been the most unenthusiastic football player. If you need a QB with an arm, call Jay Cutler. Didn't wait? Didn't he? Didn't Joe Flacco come into that Bills game and fumble the football? He might have. Which game was it? It was the Bills Jets game here. Because I because I remember Mike White had to leave the field, and Joe Flacco had to come out. They opted not to go with Zach Wilson. In fact, I think it was he inactive for that game. I have no idea. I'll look it up. Look it up while I'm, while, while I'm talking about this. You look at who else is out there. I mean, I guess Kyle Allen's younger. I'm just trying to figure out why Kyle Allen. When you look at the list, Bryce Perkins don't know anything about it. Chase Daniel. He's 36. I mean, he's at least had... He's been he has a, a lot of money. Chase Daniel, had, for being a backup, has made a lot of fucking money. Uh, Nick Foles is out there. I bet you Nick Foles would probably be better than Kyle Allen. Yeah. For two weeks. Uh, Carson Wentz is still out there. His career's over. You mean to tell me that if the Bills went to him and said, listen, you want to come in, hold the clipboard... Look what happened with Mitch Trubisky. He got a he got a little bit of money after he left Buffalo on a rehab stint. Come here, hold the clipboard. Maybe you could do something for him. Joe Flacco fumble lost. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. I feel like I remember him coming into the game and then almost immediately turning the ball over and just being so happy in the stands. In fact, I remember that because uh, Nick and his daughters from Jersey they were there, and when like. We were talking about Mike White going down and Flacco coming out, and he was... I remember Nick just being like, ah, oh, that guy's garbage. And he goes, I know, because not even... J he goes, even the Jets fans I know don't like him. 
And then he immediately fumbles the ball. I was like, you're going to have to go home and rub that in everyone's face. So Joe Flacco's out. But there's Nick Foles. There's, I mean, I guess maybe there weren't better options, Chris, if you didn't want to give up a piece of draft capital. Yeah. So maybe they tried it last year, didn't like the way it looked. I just think that that's a mistake, don't you? Yeah. Having everything hinge on Allen and Barkley. I don't know. I just I think this is going to be one of those things where you're going to see the Bills watching that cut the the waiver wire come cut down day. Yeah. At least I would hope. I would hope that when it comes time to trim rosters that there is some like they're at least paying attention. Someone at one Bills drive is watching the waiver wire because I just don't like the makeup of those backups. I really don't. I think that that's I think for a quarterback who plays a very physical brand of football, that's a it's an oversight. I, you're cash strapped. I get it. You can't make giant offers, but you can't tell me that Nick Foles doesn't want to go maybe win another Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, bet he does. Super Bowl winning Nick Foles doesn't want to go play for the Buffalo Bills. I just, I, I don't know. But Josh Allen, like, it'll go a long way towards keeping him healthy, point blank and period. And you know, the success of that quarterback room, if these offensive linemen can do their fucking jobs for a, a full season which I don't know if they can. So as we kind of talk about that position group going into training camp this year, this is where I see. I like this. I spent a lot of time on this. The cap total, $48.7 million. The cap percentage is 21.4 million, which is the second highest cap percentage on the team. NFL comps, the NFL average spending on an offensive line is 43.8 million. So we're not that far off a center, but we're a little bit higher, and I think most of that's driven by the money Mitch Morse is making, right? Yeah. Tail end of his career on a couple, he got that, he got his initial contract, then an extension, and then a kind of like tweak that added a year that kept him around for another season. He's, I think we can all agree he's probably done after this year. Maybe. You never know. I mean, we said that last year or a year or two ago before they restructured him, so who knows? But. Once that money comes off the books, you the hope would be that you have a cheaper option to plug in as your starter, which they could already have a guy on the on the roster. They have the ninth most spending in football on the offensive line, the highest spending on offensive line in the AFC East. And I think it's hard to call them winners. Right? You're spending more on your offensive line than all three of your divisional opponents, and I don't know that you can declare we have the best offensive line in the division. Yeah. I think it's hard to say that. They have 17 bodies in that offensive line group. And it's questionable how many starters they have. Now, here are some 2022 stats and some statements of fact. Right tackle Spencer Brown led all Bills players in pressures with 50. <clears throat> And of all offensive linemen in football who finished <laughs> with more, all of the guys who had more pressures allowed played at least one more full game than Brown. Sometimes two, and they were only ahead by like two or three pressures. That's not good, is it? No. It doesn't take a genius to figure that out. Buffalo finished with 210 pressures allowed, which leads the AFC East. I was surprised by this because... Chris, we've spent a lot of time, and Elf's come on, you know, on our weekly AFC's Roundup podcast just bemoaning the state of their offensive line. Yeah. To know that we gave up more quarterback pressures than they did with 
Austin Jackson and Greg Little and all of these other people that we have panned as offensive linemen for a while now. Now, some of that's the design of their offense. They're a kind of a, they're not a vertical passing game the way we are. You know, you can point to opportunities where Josh maybe not holds the ball too long, but he also is to blame for some of these pressures because he's trying to push the ball down the field and he's trying to give his guys time to get separation. The Dolphins are more of a quick strike, slant and go, hope your fastest player can find a crease and get upfield. That's the design of their offense. So the ball come, is designed to come out quickly. So that helps mitigate some of that. But realistically, the Jets, the Jets were playing with guys off the street at one point. And still they didn't give up as many pressures as the Buffalo Bills. I just found that stat jarring. And then there's just one starter who graded positively of a, as a run blocker for the season, and that was Deion Dawkins. So most of your offensive line was bad in run blocking. That leads us right into what went wrong in 2022 for the Bills offensive line. I'm going to open with Roger Saffold. Really happy that we can put that Derek Dockery sized failure behind us. What are you doing? I'm burying you. I'm alive! I'm alive! You're waking the neighbors! No. Shut up! No! Close your eyes. Let the dirt just shower over you. That's right, Saffold. Just let that dirt shower over you because I'm hoping that this is the last time I have to speak your name on this podcast. <laughs> Chris, I feel like I was so, I feel like I was robbed. Yeah. I was ripped off. Like, I should call Jackie Giles. I feel like I was sold a fake bill of goods. Saffold was sold to us as a fan base as this steady, solid, aging veteran presence and a Cromer favorite, right? That was going to bring this technical brand of football to the guard position and that while he wasn't a, a, a premier pass protector, he was going to be a good run blocker or maybe it was the other way around. Was he supposed to be a good pass protector? And then a subpar run It doesn't matter because he sucked at both, right? It doesn't matter. He was not only a flop, but combined with Spencer Brown's injury and then regression, the two of them on the right side of our line combined for 17 penalties, six sacks, and 70 quarterback hurries. Our quarterback had to move off his spot 70 times because the two of them couldn't do their jobs. That's crazy. One of the things that I found interesting... We give these guys a lot of shit, but if you look at pressures allowed, Saffold and Brown seem like they did a really like they they did a really bad job on paper, correct? Uh-huh. Okay. What would you say if I told you that the Super Bowl winning Chiefs had not one, not two, but three starting offensive linemen, Wiley, Orlando Brown, and Trey Smith, who all gave up more pressures than Saffold and Brown? I'd be shocked. Yeah, that, that, but them's the facts, sucker. Now, it almost underscores the importance of having an offensive coordinator who understands the limitations of his players and calls plays that kind of play to the strength of the entire roster rather than just one or two star players, right? Oh, yeah. Or that tries to ham-fist, this is what I'm going to do regardless of whether or not it makes sense. That's the type of shit that leaves a wide receiver screaming at his quarterback in the middle of a blowout divisional round loss. It's it's that type of stuff that makes me crazy about this coaching staff, right? Like, if we were going to talk, like, I could go on, a, I have a whole pod down the road dedicated to this, but I could go on an entire 40-minute diatribe about the ways the 20, like, what went wrong for the 2022 coaching staff? 
this is a perfect example of it. You have subpar offensive linemen for the Kansas City Chiefs, but their execution and their offensive production don't mirror that. Because they say, okay, this guy can't pass protect well. This guy isn't. They're me- they're loading up to come after our star quarterback. Okay, let's call a game plan that's a counterpunch. Dorsey didn't have one. Dorsey just said, well, this is my plan, and they're throwing the book at me, and I'm just going to continue to chug along with what I know because I don't know enough to pivot anywhere else. It, it's infuriating when I see numbers like that. So... As we get back to our line, Saffold's performance was such that it shouldn't shock anybody that the Bills, you know, once again, like that the Bills moved on and then went out and paid another guard in free agency because I think they realized we're not going to find a plug and play at 27. No, but they did draft one later. They did. And they also couldn't help themselves pick up the the guy you're talking about, Osiris Torrance, in the draft. Oh, Torrance Cyrus. Oh, Torrance Cyrus by Nabe Geary? Yes. And what were we calling you, Crispin Kruger? Yes. <laughs> that night got away from me, huh? Uh-huh. I, bl- I blame whiskey, right? It's the solution to and cause of most Which of Which is what problems. you're not drinking. Yeah. Guys, I don't know if you know this, but Kentucky gentlemen, total aside, total sidecar conversation here. Uh, I'm going to have to get with Iman Azizi, and I think that we need to uh, make a trip. Kentucky gentlemen, I, I'm not even going to call it whiskey. I think I'm off the bandwagon because I've I've learned that it's. I not, told you last week. I know, and then I thought you were full of shit, and I googled it. I don't know what's in it. I know it's 80 proof, but it's a Kentucky bourbon whiskey, a blend of Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey and spirits, spirits, quote unquote, from the finest grains. What the hell are those spirits, Chris? What did you do? Wait, why can't you just call it whiskey? Like, I've had blended whiskeys before. You're taking my whiskey and blending it with spirits? How much spirits? What's the percentage of this that's actual whiskey? Did you just put a bunch of horse shit in a bottle and color it brown and tell me it's whiskey? Yeah, that's what they did. It's coloring. If we were in North Collins, I'd shoot this thing off the back of my truck right now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're all lucky we're not recording this in North Collins. Well, they already would have thrown you out of town, Chris. They would have seen you come in with that hair and just ridden you right out on a rail. Oh, yeah. Uh, The future of the guard position and the solidification of it over the course of the 2023 season, just because of how bad it was last year, is going to be a massive storyline, given Mitch Morse's impending departure from the roster and maybe even the NFL as a whole at the end of the season. And then also, our edge protection just was not good. You had one guy you could rely on, a couple guys that were mediocre, and one guy who they kept trusting who just wasn't great. And some of it was injury-related, but ultimately it doesn't matter. The performance simply wasn't there. Oh, and also, we were a bad rushing unit. That doesn't help things, does it? No. But if you want to talk about what went right in 2022, at least Josh Allen didn't die, right? Like, Yeah. Like, like what's that, uh... What what is that? Uh, is it the Hangover Two, where they're talking about partying with? Uh, oh yeah, with with uh, Ken Jong's character. Yeah, 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 Leslie Chow. But did you die? But did you die? <laughs> like Josh Allen goes, hey, yeah, they put him in an ice box. <laughs> Josh Josh Allen walks out into the walks into the locker room and goes, guys, what the fuck happened today? And they go, hey, listen, did you die? No, okay, you're doing all right. 
I think for my taste, if I had to point to something that went correctly for Buffalo in terms of its offensive line, it's that they were able to turn some lemons into lemonade to, to a certain degree. And this is me stretching for a silver lining. Just they like they really liked Tommy Doyle. He was their sixth offensive lineman last year. He played a lot of blocking tight end. You know, he came in for the jumbo packages. When they lost him to injury in the Dolphins game, the team was forced to kind of evaluate the veteran depth that they had cultivated behind it, and they figured out that you kind of unearthed a real value in Dave Questenberry. Now, there's a whole bunch of people who heard me call Dave Questenberry a value and go, what the fuck is he talking about? That guy was mediocre. Yes, he was mediocre, but he got paid, what, less than $2 million? Yeah, on the cheap. Okay. So Dave fucking Questenberry comes in here for less than $2 million, plays left tackle, plays guard, and plays right tackle all in the same season for you. Chris, I don't know if, I, I don't know if you can really appreciate how valuable that kind of flexibility is to know that you have a guy who's not going to be a world beater. He will make mistakes, but he's a body you can put out there, right? Yeah. Two weeks ago, or d- d- not two weeks ago, this past week, playing softball. Bunch oh, you of, played? Bunch of injuries. People are out. People are vacationing. People are sick. We call for subs. One of the subs just doesn't show up. So I'm forced to go play right field. Chris, I shouldn't be out there in the fucking outfield. You shouldn't be do you know playing what a, Do you know what all. a glaring liability I was? There was a play. The sun was admittedly in my eyes, but it's not an excuse because I think people make these plays all the time. I'm standing there and the ball comes off the bat. And I'm watching it. And I kind of lose it in the sun, but I'm thinking to myself, I saw the trajectory of that ball. It's not coming anywhere near me. It's almost on a straight line to right center, so I don't even start moving my feet. I'm literally standing still, and then the ball comes out of the sun, and it's right on me. (laughs) It's like 10 feet away from me. Meanwhile, the right center fielder is trying to run 75 feet to come catch that ball. (laughs) Chris, it's one of the most embarrassing moments that I've had playing softball, and you you video recorded me striking out looking. Yeah, I've done that before. Yeah, what happened last week was more embarrassing than that. Okay? Dave Questenberry was not Drew Gear in right field. Okay, he wasn't a gross liability. So he was mediocre. But that's what you pay less than $2 million for, right? Yeah. So the fact that you can get that from a guy at a value and you know that you can trust him to go play whatever role you need him in, like, at least we found that. And I think at this point, Tommy Doyle, like, it's going to be interesting to see how he comes back from that ACL tear. Because we've seen it time and time again. Those injuries take a while to come back from. Guys say, hey, listen, I rehab for a whole season, but it wasn't until the season after that that I really felt good and that I felt like I was myself. If he's sluggish in training camp, I could see a world where Dave Questenberry cements himself as the swing tackle option, at least heading into the competition. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So if we're going to set the table before training camp, raise your hand if you're shocked to hear someone with a microphone say that the Bills need to improve on the offensive line in 2022. Bueller. 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 That's right, because there isn't anyone. Everyone fucking knows this. Just a handful of stats that point to how important improvement on this front's going to be. Josh Allen finished 51st in the NFL in terms of the percentages of snaps that he took that came from a clean pocket. Let that sink in. 51st. Now, obviously, that data's muddied with some guys who only threw one or two passes. But the fact that you're that far down the list, Chris, Mike White and Tua both had more clean pockets to work from. Like 74.3% for Tua, 72.6% for Mike White. Better than Josh Allen. That's not good. What that It shows you how supremely talented our quarterback is, that he's still able to make wine out of water here, where if you would put Mike White on the 2022 Buffalo Bills, there's a good chance this offense never gets off the ground. Josh Allen, when kept clean, was middle of the pack in the NFL in terms of completion percentage. He was also second in drops on passes made from clean pockets with 28. So not only did he not get a ton of clean pockets, but his wide receivers dropped a ton of passes. Let's <laughs> get clean. Again, the team is not doing Josh Allen any favors, are they? No, they're not. Okay. Players who I finished in the top, like the top of the listing for pass attempts from a clean pocket, in terms of their completion percentage from them, Daniel Jones, Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert and Brock fucking Purdy. All of them finished better in this regard than Josh Allen. Like, check down champ Brock Purdy, Danny Dimes. You want to tell me that they're a better quarterback than Josh Allen? No, not by a long shot. But they got more clean pockets to throw from. And they had an offensive coordinator and wide receivers that made plays for him. And despite all of that, Josh Allen picked up 97% of all possible first down conversion attempts when it was third and 10 or more or fourth and 10 or more. That's also ridiculous. And it just points out that we're very lucky to have this quarterback. This offensive line has got to do more because our, and the skill players have to be better. They've got their work cut out for them in terms of changing this, and it starts with this offensive line group, given that left tackle and center are the only positions that are known quantities. I mean, did set, how do you feel about this new guy? When you look at the depth chart, like I'm on ourlads.com, like I usually am, 
looking at everything, looking at the makeup of the roster. Now, what do you mean by new guy? The, uh, the so we we signed the Connor McGovern. Yep, heard of him. The good Connor McGovern, not the one from the Jets. So we bring this guy in on a starter's salary. He's going to be our starter at guard. Has Saffold made you gun shy on trusting that this signing will go well? I would just just draft a O line. How about that? Use the draft. But in a year where you want to win the Super Bowl, you're going to what? Draft two rookies at guard and start them both. Why not? Why? I could tell you why not. I'm sure teams have done it before. I'd like to know how many of those teams made the playoffs. All right. Somebody uh, call in. I'm going to go get a hold of Dean Kindig. This seems like a Dean Kindig question from over at the uh, the Bills fan base. I, <laughs> I I want somebody to get in the ring with me on this. How many teams have started two rookie guards in the same season and made the playoffs? Anybody? First person to get me the answer to that question, I will mail you a bottle of Q42 barbecue rub. Because now I, I'm, I'm, it's something I want the answer to, and I'm too lazy to go find it myself. Mail them the other, the rest of that bottle of whiskey and other spirits. <laughs> Kentucky gentlemen, yeah, I'll throw in the Kentucky gentleman for free. But if you can tell me the last team to start two rookie guards and make the playoffs in the same season, I'll ship you a bottle of Q42 rub. Throw that out there. You guys go do my dirty work because I'm too lazy to do it. I just look at this and I, do, I don't think of... The, I used to think of guards as a relatively safe signing in free agency. Saffold has made me really gun-shy on this. I don't know if I trust that. I don't know if I trust this guy to at least be steady. I mean, Chris, guys haven't come here... In the, when's the last time we signed an offensive lineman in free agency and he overplayed expectations? Um, I mean, I guess you, you could point to, to Daryl Williams... Possibly. We signed Daryl Williams off the uh, scrap heap, and he ended up guy, being one of the more important starters. Your guy. Ty Inseki. Yeah. Who, he only got to play because Cody... For, like, it's it's tough calling Ty Inseki a winner in that, though, because Ty Inseki was decent and Cody Ford was bad. Like, it's like if we... Like, if you and I took our shirts off next to each other and stood in front of a camera and asked our listeners to be like, who has the better body here? It's not that either of us are built. It's just that you look like shit compared to me. This guy. <laughs> so with that in mind, that's Ty and Seki. So I'm not even going to call that. I'd say Darrell Williams might be the only one that we signed in free agency who outplayed his expectations, who le- left me surprised with the value that we got out of that signing. So with that in mind, I see what happened with Saffold. I see the same money being thrown at this guy, and I go, what's to stop him from being Saffold 2.0? Now, I'm not saying he's going to be. I'm just saying I wish that there was going to be competition for his job, because really, and maybe there will be. Chris, maybe that's a part of it with uh, Osiris Torrance. Maybe. Maybe his presence isn't so much, maybe he's not such a threat to Ryan Bates as he is to maybe this guy, but again, you're paying him way too much money to be a bench warmer. So... I just, I have no choice but to hold my breath and just watch how camp goes, see how he looks, see if they're forced to maybe give Torrance snaps with Bates in that first line rotation. It's going to be very interesting to see how that pans out. I also look at the tackle room. Chris, when you look at our tackles, like it's, it is cool that we have a Dave Questenberry back in the fold on a cheap ass contract. 
But when you look at the tackles, you've got Brown, Questenberry, and Brandon Shell, and then a whole bunch of guys that, like, uh, a Ryan Vandermark. Was that a character from Dawson's Creek? Uh, I'm talking Vandermark. About and there's Vander... James Vanderbeek. Maybe who, that's who is the actor. What has he been in besides Dawson's Creek? Oh, God. I'm giving it a goo. Yeah, James so, Vanderbeek. An undrafted free agent rookie named Richard Garage. Gregory, it doesn't matter because you're not going to be here. I'm, your name's never going to be on the back of a game day jersey. He was in Varsity Blues. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. Fuck, James Vanderbeek. Never saw it. Of course you didn't see it. God, I hate you. He got, guys, he also hasn't seen Maximum Overdrive with Emilio Estevez. I watch it. It's one of the worst movies put to film, but I watch it every year. There's something funny about like the 80s concept that machines come to life and just start killing people. Like nowadays, you could you could say that because you go, well, there's AI built into everything. Everything has these internet controlled like those. Chris, the uh, <laughs> I shouldn't even probably say this, but I'm gonna. Uh, Aaron Quinn from Cover One, and I always joke about the idea that like those um, the what do you want to call them robotic pleasure dolls that they've sold that are basically like real life like it's they're like people mm-hmm. these things are thousands of dollars I don't trust that you put a robot in my house that's all just it's hydraulics and it's spring-loaded and like <laughs> that thing could kill you in a heartbeat imagine if that's how you died yeah and then the cops have to tell your parents now nah, we're not doing that in the movie but so like that makes sense but in the movie maximum overdrive it's 1980 and trucks just start driving themselves and mowing people down there's lawnmowers chasing people like it's chaos it's a stupid movie yet i love it i digress back to the offensive line you look at the tackle room there's really not a lot else going, and there were options. We talked about when we were talking about potential free agency targets. Isaiah Wynn was a guy that I liked. Miami got him for a song because nobody wanted this guy. And he's been in, he's got an injury history. He was kind of up and down, and the Patriots for drafting him as highly as they did kind of phased him out pretty quickly. There at the end, like they made it known that he was persona non grata, and. That seems strange to me, and a part of me felt like there might be some value there, but they didn't even make a move to do that. I think the closest thing you could say they did to an upgrade is Brandon Shell, which is interesting, and we're going to talk about it in a minute. But, Chris, I want to ask you the question. Do you think neglecting to sign a right tackle that you can trust to play meaningful snaps? Like, no, right from the gate that, hey, this guy has starter potential and just putting a lot of your chips in the Spencer Brown rebound basket. Do you think it's quietly one of Brandon Bean's biggest gambles of the offseason? Oh, yeah. He must think that that back injury is all good to go. So He said it. He talked about that at his end-of-season press conference. He talked about the idea that he goes, well, you know, I think our what did he, he made a comment about how he thinks that the arrow is pointing up for Spencer Brown, despite what went on during the season. And then he backed it up by not signing anybody. And I just go, I don't know if that's, that might be a mistake. That's the, that is the position that got your quarterback injured. (laughs) 
like that. Not having quality play on that side of the line is the reason your quarterback got hurt and probably a, a, a contributing factor to our offense really just kind of stumbling down the stretch in the, you know, into what they did. You know, not finishing in more dominant fashion, not, uh, even though they did win a lot of football games, a lot of them were, there was a Miami game that was an absolute nail biter. Yeah. Both of them, the, the home game and then the wild card game. There was just a lot there. What, during the overthinking podcast, I talked about how you can paper over things like mediocre linebacker play. You can use scheme and you can use secondary help and you can use safeties in the place of linebackers. And this is a coach who saw a team that drafted like a safety hybrid linebacker when they had Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley, two of the best linebackers in football and found a way to make them all work together in concert. So I trust scheme to get that done. But I think it's been proven you can try and paper over shitty tackle play. It's not easy. Just ask Josh Allen's UCL. So when I look at the battles that are going to take place here, battles, quote-unquote, philosophically we can agree that the top six jobs are, barring some team making a desperate offer for a a player like Ryan Bates, are probably already spoken for, right? Yeah. Brown has the highest ceiling of any of the right tackles who are still in the roster. McGovern's being paid too much to move on from her bench. Morrison Dawkins are the most consistent players we have. Torrance is a rookie taken in the top 60, and Bates has multi-position flexibility. That's probably your group right there. There's not a whole lot on with this group in particular that's polarizing or that's going to come as a shock to anybody in terms of someone battling for playing time. But that last pair might be the most interesting, right? Bates and Torrance. I think it's interesting in terms of philosophy and what it says the team is trying to prioritize. Because when you compare them, Bates has a high RAS score. He's a jack-of-all-trades but master-of-none type skill set. And you you can go watch Cover 1 and they'll find you instances of what his skill set is on tape. And they go, listen, he's fast, he can pull, he can do some good things for you at guard. But a lot of that's because he's fast. And he's athletic, but his size and explosion grades are just mediocre. He's okay. It's the reason that he was originally brought into the league as a tackle and then forced to play guard. Because he's just not... He's he's athletic, he's just not big or physical. So they kick him inside and you say, listen, as a guard, he can do some things well. He has a decent anchor. He can kick around, set an edge in the run game, get outside. And he's got average size. You know, six foot three, under 305. Meanwhile, you go to Cyrus Torrance, just an okay athlete, average rest score, 6.06 compared to Bates' like what, Chris, 9 point, uh, what is that? You just had it up there on the monitor for me. I think it was 9.5. But he makes up for that lack of speed. Like when you look at his, it's on the screen right now for those of you watching this on YouTube, explosion grades poor, bad vertical leap. No real broad jump to speak of. Agility grades are not great. Uh, Speed grade. He's not going to be a guy who's always at the second level blocking people. But he's a mauler, and it all comes from the fact that he has elite size. He's six foot five, three hundred and forty what forty seven pounds, according to his profile. BuffaloBills.com. All right. Well, he gained seventeen pounds because his brass score says three thirty. I think that's, I think he takes those numbers from the, let's see, are those from, did, yeah, I don't he know probably he, takes them from Florida's website or, you know, when they were 
doing combine testing. The, the, the he we're talking about is Kent Lee Platty, author of a math bomb on Twitter. The uh, author, creator, author, creator, god of relative athletic score. Uh, he's a power player. That's his game. He's not going to climb to the second level consistently. He's not going to pull. You're never going to pull with Osiris Torrance. Instead, what you're going to do is you're going to line him up and literally just mow the opposition down. And then on the other side, what you're going to do is you're going to have him anchor against a guy, chip a pass rusher, and then take his man down. Like, he's he's just a stump. He is what Daquan Jones is on the defensive line. That's Torrance on the offensive line in terms of pass protection. He's, he's the antithesis of that. And they have an interesting decision to make here. Do we want to continue the high RAS play <laughs> that they kind of gambled on starting back in 2021, where they just Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle and Jack Anderson, who they drafted that year and ended up b- being a waiver wire acquisition by somebody else when we tried to get him on the practice squad. We went with big, fast, physical, explosive linemen, just to, just to kind of build up a cachet of those types of players. They could continue that by continuing to play Ryan Bates and allowing him the inside track to this guard job. And at the end of camp going, we know what Bates is. He's steady and we trust him. He's a veteran, blah, 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 blah. Or do you want to throw a true mauler into the mix in an effort to try to boost the performance of the rushing attack? Which, Chris, what did we just talk about? a need to take the pressure off Josh Allen. Yeah. And then also the idea that you wanted to run 12 personnel. You wanted to run that last year, which is why you paid, uh, what's his face from Alabama, OJ Howard, why you paid him what you paid him. You now drafted a second tight end in the first round, which means you're almost obligated to find ways to get him on the field, right? You have to. Warren Sharp says that 12 personnel is the most efficient out of across all 32 teams, the most efficient f- f- uh, formation to throw out of. <laughs> okay. Everything here is telling me you want to run that. Then if you're going to do that, I feel like you almost want to lean more towards a player like Torrance because on the, on the, your tight ends aren't great run blockers. So you're probably running more off tackle and off guard. Well, if that's the case, you want the best run blocker out of the group on the field for you more often, correct? Yeah. Okay. So I also look at it like this. There's pros and cons to this idea. If Bates is the starting right guard this season, because they've already said that Connor McGovern is your left guard. It's all he's played throughout the course of his career. If Bates is the starting right guard this season, do you feel like that's enough to help stabilize Brown? You would hope so, but, I mean, if the... Torrance can beat him out. Well, and this is where the door is open in camp for Torrance. Bates allowed the 16th most pressures in the NFL while playing next to the steadiest offensive tackle on our roster. I have a hard time believing that he's going to get better when you move him next to a right tackle who still has a lot to prove and has kind of struggled. I, I don't. I just don't see it. I think if anything, it's just different, right? Maybe he's not worse, but he's like at best, maybe he stays the same. And I don't know if that's really an upgrade. All the pressure we had from the right side last season really hurt us because defenses by design are trying to force Josh Allen to roll to his left. His his completion percentage takes a significant step backwards when he's forced to roll left instead of right. Chris, that ridiculous uh, touchdown pass he throws on Monday Night Football. 
against the uh, Patriots. Mm-hmm. Rolling right. Yep. Rolling left. How many highlight real throws does he have? Probably not a lot. Not a lot. It's one of these ideas that you're playing into a defense's like you're playing into their hands by allowing a bad pass protecting group to be on the right side because they're already trying to take that away. <laughs> you're, you're giving them a leg up in that. I also feel like Bates is your high floor, low ceiling play. And considering how f- important offensive line is, I can't imagine our head coach is going to force a rookie that's an unknown quantity unless he really shows off in training camp onto the field. Especially a guy like the coaching staff says it's not fair to you know, view them as a group that doesn't trust rookies, but they haven't done anything to dissuade me from that. Meanwhile, if Torrance can work his way into a prominent role, it could signify that the team really is trying to accomplish the thing that they've been doing ever trying to do ever since 2020, which is giving him a competent rushing attack to support the offense, and they could do it on a budget. James Cook wasn't a star. No one's going to sit here and go, James Cook was the most electric running back. 17th in the NFL with 11 rushes for 15 or more yards. Every running back that finished above him in that regard, at least 50% more carries than he had. (laughs) There's meat on the bone here to be had, but they felt like they had to defer to Devin Singletary. Why? Because they needed a back with contact balance because they knew the yards before contact were not going to be good. Damian Harris has burst between the tackles. Light feet, decent second gear. He doesn't have Singletary's contact balance, but he has a little more get-off. That's not going to work for you if you can't run block in between the tackles. The Bills can't afford to go out and get a Delvin Cook. You're not going to bring in a Saquon Barkley. There's no superstar coming in to save the day at running back for the Buffalo Bills. Hell, we can't even get Kareem Hunt. I think he's going to, what, the Commanders? Sure. But considering that you just went out and got a second tight end and clearly wanted to run more 12 personnel, you could do yourselves a lot of favors by finding a way to get Torrance on the field. If he shows well, right? Like, if he comes in and he falls on his face, then all this is for naught. But in, in terms of an actual interesting starting battle or something that happens at the top of the depth chart... If Torrance is as advertised, then you could do yourselves philosophically a lot of favors by getting him on the football field and allowing him to help augment your run game, which then allows you to take some of the pressure off Allen, which by default makes him better. Gives him more opportunities to thrive because now you can keep defenses honest. And I think that that would do you a huge boon because you're talking about a team that Devin Singletary, if you go to uh, Am- uh, what is it, uh, Next Gen Sports? Next Gen Stats. Stats. Jesus Christ. This Kentucky gentleman, it may be pissed, but it does the job. Um, you you look and you see that Devin Singletary is constantly, over his, the course of his career, year over year, high in the list of people who ran against light boxes. If you could put good run blockers and decent running backs up against a team where defensive coordinators are terrified to stack the box because they know what your quarterback is and they know what your wide receiver talent can do down the field, you could cash in often just by leaning on your rushing attack if you have the right offensive line play. And so in that way, you got to find a way to stabilize this thing. You could do that by deferring to whichever one of these two guys can give you the most in like 
in the blocking, run blocking department, and I feel like that's almost where this battle falls. Because Ryan Bates clearly wasn't a standout pass protector. So even if Torrance struggles, I could take that if you, you're, you're going to give me great run blocking. Does that track? Yeah. All right. And then you look behind him. There's really no competition, but here's what I see. We talked about 17, 17 linemen on the roster right now, mm-hmm. offensive linemen. It's interesting to see because Tommy Doyle and Questenberry probably bearing, battling it out for backup duties are right on the edge. You look at who's going to make the practice squad. The Bills kept nine offensive linemen on the roster for all of the regular season last year with three more on the or three active roster, nine on the roster, three on the practice squad. I'm looking at the chart right now. If you subtract the six guys that we just talked about, that leaves 11 guys battling for what looks to be about six jobs. So we're going to play a game here, Chris. A helpful little thought exercise. Kiss, Mary kill. Okay, here's a shot out of a cannon. Oprah, Barbara Walters, your wife. You got to fuck one, marry one, kill one. Go. Questionberry, <laughs> Doyle, and Shell. I'd marry Questionberry. Kiss Tommy Doyle on the mouth, and Brandon Shell can get out of here. And I'm only basing that because I don't know Brandon Shell's name. <laughs> Never heard of him before. And this is why I like doing this with you. So you just made that just snap, and that's how a lot of fans go. They go, wait a minute, Brandon Shell, he was still out there. The Bills picked him up late on a cheap contract. He must, he must be dog shit. Yeah. He's camp fodder. Questenberry right. would be Oprah, Tommy Doyle. <laughs> would be Barbara Walters and then Brandon Shell would be the wife. I like that you went that route and that's probably just some of your frustration of being divorced. Um, I want to run this back for you. For me, I'm going to I'm probably going to marry Dave Quisenberry. I'm going to kiss Brandon Shell and Tommy Doyle. You and your you and your ACL man it's unfortunate but also here's what I know. Tommy Doyle's been the epitome of average at every, like, literally every fucking thing you can quantify except being big. Like, being big, great, wonderful. It doesn't make you a good offensive lineman. Remember the time we brought in that, like, one, what was it? It was the biggest football player ever? Ed Uh, Wang? No, Mount Ed Wang. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? How dare you invoke the name Ed Wang during a serious offensive line conversation on my podcast? I hate you. (laughs) Holy shit. And I love the fact that there was like at least five Ed Wang jerseys. Yeah. Still, though, in like 2015, 2016, 2017 in our section in the stadium. There was still like five people rocking the Ed Wang jersey. And I go, this is the most childish thing. But at this point, what else do we have? Hilarious. Uh, Tommy Doyle, big. That's it. That's all I got for you. He's big. You tell me something he's done well. I can't find it. Questenberry gave you seven starts at three different positions in 2022. Brandon Shell has been starting in the offensive line for multiple teams, at least a part of every single season going back to 2017. He grades well as both a pass protector, which is huge for a swing tackle, and he has better run blocking grades almost every season than any member of the Bills 2022 offensive line. <laughs> Chris, he quietly is better than everyone we put on the field last year. 
Now, some of that might be the teams he played for, right? Like, you look at this. Brandon Shell, Pro Football Focus. What did he do? So, Brandon Shell, Pro Football Focus, because I'm, but, but I'm not, all, all I'm doing is I'm trying to find the teams he played for. So, he played for the Jets, who 16, 17, 18, they were still coming out of the Rex Ryan thing, and they were just a ground and pound team with no real passing attack. Um, 2020 goes to Seattle. Seattle is a run heavy team, a lot of 12 personnel, and then throwing the ball with their quarterback off, but a lot of times it's off play action. Then he goes to Miami, where they threw the ball a lot, and well, that was 2022 Miami. And like last year, he was terrible in pass protection, but he was one of their best run blockers. Like, <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. He quietly. Now, now do it, Chris. Here's the question: Do they show loyalty to the guys that they know in Questenberry and Doyle? Yeah, and just cut Shell because they go, "Hey, that's yet to be seen." Shell's probably going to have an uphill battle to make the roster, but the statistics tell me that Shell has a lot of meat on the bone, and that he could come in here and I, I expect him to outplay Tommy Doyle at this point. Coming off an ACL tear, never having shown me much as a tackle, I expect Shell to show better than Doyle. A part of me thinks he might be able to outplay Questenberry. I, I think that enough that I'm willing to say that while I still marry Questenberry, I'm willing to jump in between the sheets with Brandon Shelder. Round two, Chris. Why don't you read them off? Oh, Greg. Uh, was it Greg Manns? Manns. I'm, I'm happy with to pronounce it. With his silent C. David Edwards and Ike Budker. Uh, Ike Budker would be Barbara Walters, David Edwards would be Oprah, and then Greg Mann's kill him. Now. I like this. So wait, you like Dave Edwards? Yeah, yeah. Why? Because I know the name. Well, we've talked about him before. Yeah, and I know Greg Mann's too. <laughs> but I don't like that you have a silent C at the end of your name. <laughs> I like that you find the dumbest reasons not to like football players. It's like when I decide to talk about hockey. Dude, I was listening to After the Whistle. Okay. You know why Craig Revae didn't want Florida to win? Why? Because he didn't like how Matt Kachuk wore his mouth guard. Oh, Jesus Christ. He chewed it. This is why you don't let old men talk. Like, I think, Chris, by the time... Chris, if we're still doing this... I am a huge fan of Craig Revae. If we're still doing this into our golden years, here's what I want to have happen. Perfect scenario, like, in a perfect world. You and me are just a bunch of crusty 60-year-olds who are now bitching about the direction of the NFL from the basement, still down here, yep. <laughs> still down here in the studio. I want a bunch of 26-year-old Bills fans to run in here, throw gas on everything, and light the place on fire and run out. Just, Just do it. Just put me out of my misery. I don't need to hear Craig Reve complaining about this young superstar hockey player chooses mouth guard weird, and I just I can't respect that. It's not respectful for the game. That's why I hate baseball. All your stupid unwritten rules. Don't flip a bat. Fuck you. You know what? Don't let me hit a home run. I'll bat flip, and then I'll moon you. What do you think about that, jerk off? What do you do? Hit me every time I come up to the plate? Yeah. Drop dead. That whole sport stinks because of stuff like that. <laughs> I love how easy it is to get off on tangents. Round two, Greg Mann's David Edwards, Ike Bucker. 
Ike Bucker's the best pass protector of the backup interior offensive line group. I want to whisper that for those of you who want to sound smart around your friends. Ike Butker. In fact, if I could, if I could gamble on like roster odds, like, there's got to be a place, right, Chris? There's prop bets for everything. Yeah, yeah. If I could gamble on Ike Butker, he's the best pass protector of the backup interior offensive line. He has experience with Morse, Dawkins, and Josh Allen. He's my Oprah. Dave Edwards is my Barbara Walters. He's inconsistent, but he's shown that he can play at a high level when needed to for a team that won the fucking Super Bowl. If it's good enough for the Rams when they're winning a Super Bowl, it's good enough for me. Greg Mans, why is this guy even here? He hasn't start, he hasn't made he hasn't been a starter in six years, and even while playing part time, Chris less than two hundred and ten snaps. Six pressures and a sack. <laughs> like, get, get the fuck out of here. Get get away from it. I don't need you. They go, oh, he's got center ability and guard ability. No, you know what you have the ability to do is take out garbage or stock shelves at Home Depot. What else, Chris? Well, what else can giant human beings do? Uh, they can uh, load old people's groceries. He can pull a John Fina and get skinny and yeah. then just look weird because he's tall. <laughs> yeah, that's right, John. You, 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 John, John Fina got thin. It was weird. The first time I ever met him, you know, Joe Miller, we're sitting at O'Neill's and Joe Miller goes, oh, John Fina's going to meet us there. And I go, oh, shit, there's a, an old Bills offensive tackle is going to come do this show. This is going to be amazing. It's it, this is awesome. And I see this guy, I, Chris, I didn't think it was him. I just saw a guy who was six foot something with a rolling suitcase come walking through the door and I go, that guy weighs like 215 pounds. <laughs> like, I weigh 205 pounds. I think I, I think I have a shot at this. There's no way that guy was a... Te- now, mind you, Chris, we had a couple beers. It turns out John Fina can actually wrangle me. Yeah. Pretty easily, too. It's it, pretty easily. But the fact remains, I look at a guy and I go, you haven't been a starter in how long? You're not good at this even when you did play. Can we just get this guy out of here? I yeah. think he's done. I don't think he has the inside track. I don't think he has any shot. I think he's here. He is camp fodder. The rest of this, if like th- that's where the interest in this offensive line group comes up, is how, what is the break glass in case of emergency group look like? And I think that you could do a lot of things with some of these guys. I think Brandon Shell is a sneaky pick. I like Dave Questenberry. I also like Ike Bucker. I like Ike Bucker to come back here. He had that Achilles injury and then had a setback, so it cost him his entire season again. I think that he could come in here fully healthy. He'll give these other backups a a run for their money. I expect that. Uh, Chris, he was our starting guard when we went to the divisional championship. Or not the divisional, the, the conference championship game against the Chiefs back in 2020. That's a guy I want on my roster then, right? Like, our offense was good when Ike Bucker was on the field. If so facto, if I have to have a guy waiting in the wings to step in, I want a guy who was there when my offense was still playing well. Yeah. Done. That's it. Done. That makes... I like my picks. I hope you're happy with yours. Guys, what do you think? Kiss, Mary kill. Get the guys. Out of the backup group, who do you want to see make the roster? Tweet us at Report. This has been fun. It's nice to finally get back into the groove of talking about football topics without having to... Because, Chris, really, it's been rough. 
Yeah. These are the dog days of summer when it comes to podcasting and talking about football in general, especially when you're a team that only has one thing going on, which we're going to talk about. In our, uh, if you ask anybody in the mainstream media, there's only one thing going on with the Buffalo Bills. One piece of bullshit drama that's been manufactured and turned into a storyline. It's finally nice to have real football to talk about, real tangible topics. I'm I'm excited. I'm looking forward to more of it next week. Anthony Prohaska in studio with us to talk about more. But for this week, we got to get the hell out of here. I already ran long. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your Rock Pile Report. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.